0: of Footnotes. Today we're talking to Robert Gilbert of DxTel and his company is doing something that I think we've all become more familiar with and that is to help uh, increase access to rural broadband internet service and while Robert's company doesn't dig the trenches and lay the and lay the fiber what he does is he works with small locally rural co-ops who either sell electricity to customers or maybe they're a telephone company. And he helps them figure out how to better serve their customers by getting them rural broadband. I learned that broadband is more than just uh, better Netflix um, and and faster download speeds. uh, That it really can provide some of the necessities of life for people that don't live in big cities. Check it out. Well, we're here with uh, Robert Gilbert, uh, who's the founder of uh, DXTEL, and, and Robert, what what I find so interesting about what you're doing is is you your company is on this mission to help increase access to rural broadband, and I think uh, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, we all saw why that was so important with the pandemic and distance learning and things like that. But um, I, how do you do what what you do? Yeah, sure. And and you're right. I mean, the pandemic, you know,
1: before then, Internet was, you know, not to age myself, back to the day of, you know, downloading uh, songs from Napster. Right. Right. And you would even see Internet companies would say, oh, you could download songs this fast with faster Internet. So it was this kind of novel thing that we all like. But, you know, if it was slow, it was slow and you just dealt with it. And then slowly, you know, the market built up and all these smart home devices and more devices in the house built up. And then the pandemic came and it it was it was like one, and it continues to be one 12-month, 18-month infomercial for the importance of, of broadband internet. Um, and so, you know, with these providers that we work with specifically, um, you know, they're mostly in rural areas uh, and, and some suburban, but... They are uh, mostly telephone cooperatives and electric cooperatives. And, and these were the same groups that came together originally to bring much needed communication services and electricity to, you know, rural areas that had no resources at all. So now, you know, you fast forward 75, 80 years and they're doing the same thing again, you know, staying true to their mission to bring connectivity to these same people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, what we do is we come in, we, we were originally founded, we had this great idea of we were going to come in and be marketing consultants and use data targeting to help them, uh, you know, find the right customers and, and sell internet and use the right messaging. And we got started and we realized that, you know, we were selling a, a service that was up here, and we got to you know talking to all of our clients, and it turns out they needed help on the basic level. Um, hmm. What did that look like? Well, I mean, what is basic? Basic level. So if you think about um, the electric cooperatives we're working with, you know, they have just now, some of them within the last three years have launched broadband service. This is a company that not only did they not know anything about you know, providing internet services, but they've never sold anything in a competitive environment. You know, they've,
0: they're an electric company. Right, they're sort of the only game in town. If you want electricity, you have to buy from that group. And exactly. So marketing for them was in large part PR,
1: you know, it was the presenting the giant checks at at events and and doing that kind of thing. So, you know, we would start working with them and, you know, we would come in thinking, oh, okay, we're going to consult and provide a strategy. And we would come in and, and do that, and then you know, kind of be heading out the door. And they would say, uh, "How do we do a website?" And you know, we kept getting pulled back in to help them build up just the foundation of marketing. Um, and so that's you know, we've kind of evolved into that where we started with
0: you know one service, and now we've
1: expanded to you know a dozen
0: services. Mm-hmm. So when they they come to you and they're trying to figure out how to Sort of do something they've never, they've never done. I mean, to your to your point, I mean, is that when you're able to employ some of those uh, tools, um, like helping them understand their customers better, even though they never really had to. I mean, wh- what's that education process like?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm just to, <sure. laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, it's it's coming in and, and teaching them. You know, it's not enough. We there's a um, a lot of engineers and construction folks in this industry. You know, the, they get really excited about we're putting fiber in the ground and they love to show pictures of construction and update people with the technical terms about what they're doing. And so a lot of times we're on the other side trying to explain to them, you know, this is a utility. And at the end of the day, what what your consumers and what your um, you know potential customers care about is internet. You know, they're not really concerned about how you're bringing it to them, which is interesting. But ultimately, you're selling internet service, and you need to talk to them about, hey, you know, what you have now is not that great, and we can provide you with faster, reliable internet service, so your children can go to school, you know, at home, virtually. You can work from home. And, you know, in some cases, it's giving people the freedom to pick up and and move to a new location. because they're not tethered to, you know, a physical job space.
0: Right, yeah, where it's like, you know, hardly anyone would, would pick up and move to a place with no electric electric service. You know, that, that would just, I mean, no one would really do that. Um, but now, to, I think to your point, it's, you know, when you're checking out what what sort of internet bandwidth is available, that's almost on someone's checklist for whether to move somewhere. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, is that trend, just beginning or or what are maybe some of your clients seeing from that? I mean, are they are they seeing uh, household growth and things like that? They are seeing it on, on,
1: you know, in our industry, um, there's a lot of talk about the value of specifically fiber internet. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, municipalities are recognizing it all over the country in states where they're allowed to and they're bringing in and they're building their own networks um, because they see it as such an important driver for economic development. For bringing you know people that want to relocate, work from home, and that kind of thing, um, but it, it, it's we know the importance on our side, and we have great stats about the value of homes. You know, a, a home with fiber internet access is worth on average four thousand dollars more. <laughs> um, the problem is that's only within our industry. On the outside, if you're a homeowner or if you're going to buy a home, it's it's difficult to even find out if fiber internet's available. you and I had a conversation. We both live in forest acres. That's right. And you were surprised we didn't have fiber across Trenum. And um, we don't. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, well, how can you say that a house is more valuable if the person buying it isn't really sure that it's there or not before they even buy the house? Right. So I think there's, uh, you know,
0: there's still a big piece of education involved. Is there a way for someone to find out whether that service is available before they, they move there? Uh,
1: <laughs> there is, this feels like a commercial, but yes, we're at, we're actually working on a product right now that we're getting ready to launch, uh, with some other Columbia businesses, crumbware, in fact, is a uh, building a force called fiber homes, but it's, uh, it's actually targeted to real estate agents, uh, because we kept hearing from real estate agents that, you know, they're getting this question from their buyers. Sure. Um, we've talked to agents in Western North Carolina, um, and the amount of people relocating from larger cities who are coming into the state. You know, they're, they're relocating and they're asking the agent and saying, you know, we both work from home. We have to have reliable internet. And the agent's at a loss. You know, they can go and manually look up and Google internet service in the area and then try and find it. Uh, but typically it's, it's not available. Um, so we're working to provide this portal for them to just very quickly put in an address and see is fiber internet available?
0: It's very, yeah, that's interesting. It used to be, I mean, people are, are, are making a move and if they have school-aged children, you know, it's like, what are the schools like? Uh, property taxes, uh, grocery stores, so on and so forth. But it now sounds like that question of, is fiber available has moved up the list.
1: And that, yeah, uh, I think the New York Times, I saw an article recently where uh, people's decision-making, the, the factors they uh, they think about when they're buying a house, uh internet availability is now more important than commute time which you know i think is makes a lot of sense when you look at how many
0: people now work from home at least some portion of the week mm. so in terms of you know as you're as you're going to your customers who were able to provide these services i mean and, and yes, we had a catalyst, I think, in the pandemic and, and the work from home movement and things like that. But, you know, wh- what if we never had that? I mean, wh- why isn't it more, why, why aren't these fast internet speeds more prevalent across the country, given how, how vital they really do seem to be?
1: Yeah, and part of that is, um, I, do th- I don't think we would be quite as far down the uh, road in terms of the conversation without the pandemic. But certainly it was building uh, just by virtue of the number of connected devices in the average household. Um, to your point about electricity, we, my wife and I uh, briefly lived in an older house in, in, in Forest Acres, and the wiring was typical for a house built in the 30s or, you know, whatever. And uh, we had this microwave that if I had something else going on, I literally had to unplug it to use our microwave or it would, you know... <laughs> short out. And if you think about it, that's what a lot of us that don't have fiber internet still have to do these days. You know, there's times where I'm doing demos um, and I need, you know, to make sure that it's going smoothly and I have to, you know, yell to my kids to stop streaming, you know, turn off the Apple TV, watch regular TV while I do this. Um, And that's because, you know, it's devices you don't even think of are accessing your internet. And so as those devices have increased so has this need for bandwidth yeah
0: because it may be easier to ask your kids to stop breathing than it would be to stop streaming you oh yeah know. A- absolutely well a- also especially if they're in a, again a learning from home situation or things like that i mean i think to your point streaming is while it's not maybe as important as breathing it's almost like asking someone you know to not be able to do that you're basically asking them to not be able to participate in kind of a a growing part of their life. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, you know, we've talked, I've used kind of entertainment and streaming options, but you know, exactly, you know, school learning, um, telehealth. I mean, that is a huge thing. Um, These areas that, um, you know, folks, you know, uh, in the new broadband office are working on and trying to get these areas that are so underserved in the lower part of the state with internet, these are the same towns where you know the rural hospitals are closing down um so there are people now between columbia and charleston where you know you have you can drive to lexington medical center you can drive to musc and they're kind of in this healthcare desert somewhat um, and telehealth provides an amazing opportunity to to bring you know some level of care for these people um but only if you have reliable internet can you use telehealth. Right. Um, so it's it's no coincidence that when you look at underserved, you know, healthcare areas and, and broadband areas, those are you know they're both focusing on the same places uh, because it's just so critical to get them online. Sure. Well,
0: what do you see? I mean, going forward, I mean, do you, do you see? Um, I mean, certainly, it, broadband access is is going to grow, but but with it, what else maybe comes along? Uh, alongside it for, for your clients? Yeah, I
1: think for our clients, um, you know, what they're focused on, and I think they're really smart to do this, um, it's, you know, there's a term open access networks uh, that's been used a lot, and that's where a company will build the fiber network and then uh, retailers can come in and, and lease space and then have their own brand as the ISP. But instead of open access, the way many of our clients look at it now is is open application. And what I mean by that is if you, you know, let's say over the next five years, there's probably going to be five to 10 million people who today don't really have reliable enough internet to use any kind of smart device. So you're talking about five to 10 million people who are now going to be in the market for a world of connected devices. I mean, everything from iPads to, again, telehealth, wearable uh, medical devices. Um, So it's, you know, as more people come online, there's this whole consumer group that's also being born out there, uh, which is really interesting. So a lot of our clients are looking at that and thinking about, okay, you know, we're bringing, you know, 20,000 people in rural Mississippi. We're bringing them Internet. What's the next step? You know, can we also help provide them with, you know, uh, telehealth in the form of a, a, a tablet that gives them a shortcut to the local hospital or, you know, other tools uh, that go with. So it's not just enough to get them online, but how do you bridge that digital literacy gap as well and provide them with the tools to catch up with, you know, the more urban
0: areas in the country? Yeah, it's, that, that's interesting that I, I think a lot of times, you know, when, when you sort of have access to broadband um you think about how you use it and for a lot of us i mean half of the use at least has to be for entertainment you know that's netflix and hulu and and all the things that we stream to entertain ourselves um and then the other half is just kind of you know shopping and and other things which again is this kind of consumption thing but i think your point about telehealth and telemedicine especially for underserved markets uh underserved populations um you know kind of chicken and egg you know you got to get the fiber in there you've got to get them plugged in and access you've got to get them a device you know that they're able to navigate and to use and then you know telemedicine can sort of begin to to, to take place um, that is that is interesting that I think it's something that those of us frankly that live in areas where we've got access to all of these things just we don't think about when you don't have it you know what are you able to do what do you have access to
1: yeah. And, and a great lesson I learned, it was we were renting a, a house in Western North Carolina on vacation that had very little internet connectivity and very little cell phone service. And it's, you know, it, it's a wake-up call. Of yeah. W- what, what it would be like everyday life to try and navigate, you know, where we just say, oh, you know, let's just order in. I'll get on, you know, bite squad and get dinner delivered. Um, and, and healthcare, you know, We were in a situation, I don't know, a few months ago. My son was sick. And so I was like, okay, well, I think it's an ear infection. Uh, It was a Saturday or Sunday, pediatrician was closed. Okay, we'll go to the urgent care. I don't know if you've been to an urgent care lately downtown, but very crowded. I mean, unbelievably crowded, like three hour wait with a four year old. Um, And so having that option to be able to wait at home you know, even if you're waiting for three hours for a telehealth doctor to come on, at least you're at home and, and comfortable and not sitting in a car or in a crowded waiting room. So it's, you know, the the pandemic, I think, has opened up a lot of people's eyes to um, not only the importance of it, but the the, the gaps that we're seeing in the population.
0: Yeah. Well, Robert, thanks for sitting down with us and, and sharing these things. I, I think you've, you've probably helped lift the cover off for a lot of people that will be listening to this on, you know, Access to broadband is about more than just getting better speeds for Netflix. You know, it, it is about getting more of just the services that we take for granted in more urban areas and to be delivered. It's, it's a delivery mechanism, you know, um, and certainly obviously for entertainment, but I think just for also the things that are necessary for life, it's it's just really neat that you guys have built a business around, you know, helping to do that. You're not necessarily laying the cables, but you're helping the groups that uh, need to do that outreach. and need to let people know what's possible that you guys are doing that. It is, and it's it's a great group
1: to work for. I mean, these these cooperatives are they absolutely care about their communities, um, and they're just such a critical part. So as clients, they're they're great to support. Right.
0: Well, thanks. Absolutely.